Good morning, everyone, and God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us on this Sunday morning. Thank you for allowing us to come into your living room or wherever you are, and we just pray that God ministers to you, touches you, blesses your family, keeps you in health, and keeps you safe. This is a great day. The Bible says this is the day that God has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We've been talking a lot about faith, or at least been trying to post a lot about faith, because it's very important at this time, especially to talk about our faith, because our faith is very, very precious to God, very valuable to God. And what happens in our lives is very important to God. And so we want to just encourage you in your faith and strengthen your faith and build your faith up in the Lord, not in what we say necessarily, but in God's word, because we believe that your faith or our faith is going to outlast any struggle we go through. Our faith can outlast any struggle that we go through. And so we believe that today. I want to share something this morning that uh, shared years ago. My wife and I were youth pastors for over 20 years, and God would give us messages, and God give me messages over the years and uh, for young people. But I, I felt the Lord pulling a truth out of this uh, message, and so I wanted to give it to you. I want to share next week, and, and so we'll just do uh, part one this week and part two next week. And I want to share some truth out of the sermon, but uh, something I feel that God really wants to get across this morning, and I feel I want to just declare, is that we really need to hear the cry, to hear the cry. I want to share with you about hearing the cry, or to hear the cry. And Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 27. He said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Or my sheep respond as they hear. I know them intimately, Jesus said, and they follow me. Most of the time as Christians, I think that we respond by what we see. But I believe that God wants us to respond by what we hear. For Christians, hearing is a lot more important than seeing. It's absolutely more important. We have to hear instead of see. We walk by faith and not by sight, the Bible says. And so what we hear is so much more important than what we see. Jesus said in his day that there was an evil generation because they were always seeking a sign, always looking for a sign. And Jesus said, I've already given you a sign. And he said, I'm here to declare a word. In fact, uh, he would say many times, uh, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And so doing God's work or doing any really any work that God has for you starts with listening. And I just want to just declare this morning that it's so important it's vitally important that we, in this hour, God's people, Christians, will hear the voice of God right now. Hear the voice of God. And I believe that we need to hear the cry in our culture. In Deuteronomy, God begins to speak to Moses and begins to give him some more of the Levitical law that he was all along giving him. But it's very interesting when God was giving this to him because he starts to give him a scenario, a couple scenarios. And he says, if this happens, then this is the way you're to respond to it. If this happens, then you should make these decisions this way. And so that's how Moses got a lot of uh, as we know, the Levitical law or the law, and how they would set up uh, their government, how they would make decisions, and how they would respond to certain circumstances. And, and the Lord would give these scenarios because he knew, number one, it already happened, or he knew it was going to happen. But in Deuteronomy chapter 22, I just want to share something this morning and, and bring out a truth. I couldn't help but 
but see something as I read this. I couldn't help but see that something very close to our culture is in this. And I want to bring this truth out today. In chapter 22, starting in verse 23. So you turn your Bible or click on your device. Starting in verse 23. It says, If a young woman who is a virgin is legally engaged to a man, and another man finds her in the city and is intimate with her, then, shall, then you will bring both of them to the gate of that city and stone them both to death. The young woman, because she did not cry out for help, though she was in the city, uh, she did not cry out. But you will uh, stone the man because he, was, he has violated his neighbor's wife or his promised wife. So shall the Bible says you will remove evil from you or you will purge evil from you. In verse 25, however, another scenario... If a man finds a girl who's engaged in an open field and seizes her and is intimate with her by force, then only the man who lies with her shall be put to death. Jump down to verse 27. And when he found her, when this man found this woman in an open field, the engaged girl may have cried out for help or she cried out, but nobody heard her cry. Nobody was there to save her. And so we see this scenario. Let me go through this quickly as this scenario. We see there's a girl and a guy in both in the city and, and something happened there and then in the field or we would call it the country. And so we see in the very first one in the city that this girl was engaged. It, it, it just the Bible, I'm going to go over some of the highlights and what it talks about. The Bible says she was engaged. It said that a man found her. There was an action of sin. There was sin that was committed and there was punishment for that sin. And as this girl, the Bible says, was engaged, she was committed to another man to be married. She wandered away, uh, away from where she was supposed to be. And so she wandered into the city and uh, the Bible says this man found her and she, I believe, was desperate for any man at this point. I, I have to say that I think this and so it gives a scenario, but I see this happening. She was desperate for any man. She wasn't committed in her heart. She wasn't committed in her head or her actions weren't committed. She just wasn't committed. And then the Bible says that this man found her. Now, who this guy was, and we don't know, and how exactly it happened, it, it doesn't make it clear where exactly they met, but they were in the city. He found her. And we see that because of what happened, he violated her commitment. He violated um, her body. He dishonored her, and he um, violated another man's wife-to-be. And he um, committed sin, the Bible says. Something drew this man to this woman. Something drew this young man to this young woman. Uh, it really, what happened was is that uh, uh, he was searching, it seemed like, and she wanted to be noticed. And so I noticed this about this. And then the, the third thing that we see is that there was the sin, the action of sin. And... Uh, as I look at this, I can't help but say this, was, this wasn't an affair. This wasn't a, a deep relationship. This was a hookup. That's all this was. This was a very temporal hookup. And, uh, you know, we could put this in today's um, uh, uh, scenario that there's a young man. He's got his phone and he's got his, uh, you know, his app on and she's got her app. And, hey, I'm available. And there's a girl that's available and she's got the same app and She's only a couple blocks away. Why don't you guys hook up? And that's the way it was. It was pure lust and it was just selfish desire. It was for the moment. It was just a hookup. Because of that, the Bible says there was punishment. And so this is what the Lord told Moses to do. 
He said that you need to punish the man because he violated another man's wife-to-be. And you punish the woman uh, or the young girl because she was in the city but she, and she made no attempt to cry out. She was around all these people and she didn't cry out. She didn't run for help. She didn't even make an attempt to get away. She didn't reject this man. She did not cry out. And so that was very important as we look at the rest of this. And I think that as we see this story right here, that there's a desperation to be wanted by somebody, and then there was a desperation to have somebody. But both of these scenarios, or both of these things, it was temporal. It was for the moment. And for this guy and this girl, um, we can also see that really what happened was they were in, had a wrong heart. There was a wrong heart condition. They were in the wrong place. And they got involved in a wrong relationship. And the Bible says in verse 24, the reason you do this is to put evil away from you, to purge evil from you. Look at the scenario of, of the account in the field, of the scenario in the field. It said that there was a young girl again, and she's engaged, and she's a young girl, and she's alone. And I think this is the very first thing that I see is that she was alone. There's a danger in being alone. I think, I think the more that someone is alone, the easier it is to be pursued. She was alone. There, there was vulnerability there. She became a victim, and there was a violation. And, and that's usually kind of how it is with loneliness and, and people that find themselves alone, just away from everybody, away from everything on their own. The Bible says that this guy overtook her. This man overtook her. He forced his way on her. He had his way with her. There was nobody around. He thought he was going to get away with it because there was nobody that saw it. And he pursued her. He watched until she was alone. He, he, he waited for her to get into a vulnerable position and a place. And I don't know what she was doing, working or taking a walk. It doesn't say, but the Bible says she was out in the field. She was out away from everybody that nobody could hear her cry for help. The sin was is that he, he was deceptive about it and that he, he uh, stalked her and he, he really just was uh, very deceptive about it. And that's the way sin is. Sin is very deceptive because sin always has a way of working in darkness and working when, when we're alone in loneliness. The devil preys on people who are not just desperate but people who are lonely. And this is what happened with this. And in fact, in Luke chapter 22, the devil had a plan for Peter's life. Jesus revealed it. He said, the devil wants to have you to sift you like wheat. He wants to separate you. He wants to get you away from God's plan, God's people, good, healthy relationships. He wants to get you away from your purpose so that he can whittle you down and destroy you and you become a victim. And the punishment here, this is very interesting is for the woman, she wasn't punished at all. She wasn't guilty. The Bible said it was only the man. Why? Because the woman cried out, but there was nobody around to hear her cry. I believe that there is a generation that is crying out for freedom. There is a generation that is crying out to be free from bondage and abuse. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe that we have this epidemic among young men and young women in our culture today. They're just... Um, Men are being shamed and women are being exploited. I mean, uh, it just, it's amazing when I step back and look back even 10 years ago how much things are changing. And I, don't, uh, I can't say that it's really for the good. And I believe that there's this epidemic that 
uh, is happening among young people and single men and women and, and married people. I believe that God wants us to hear the cry that's going on in our culture. Not that we can say that we need to get involved in our culture so we can water down the gospel and we can live a mixed message. I'm not talking about that. I believe God wants us to hear the cry of our culture and, our, and what's going on around us so that we can know how to move with the Spirit of God to reveal God's mercy, God's grace, God's healing power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, a few years ago, I think we've discovered, and everybody kind of knows what Victoria's secret really is. Her secret is, is that she is an object and not a subject. She's just an object of desire. That's all uh, that's being presented today to young ladies, is be an object of somebody's desire. That's how you're going to be loved. That's how you're going to be accepted. But God has created every woman, every young woman, every man to be a subject for His glory, to worship Him, to walk in relationship and to fulfill his purpose. And I believe that, I, I've seen it, um, that, that sometimes, and it's a tragedy, that with, especially with women, that it seems like they start out, there's some women that just kind of start out as young little princesses, and somehow, with the wrong relationship, going the wrong direction, they end up as peasants. And it's sad. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, as he opens up, uh, in this particular chapter, he says, in the last day, you're going to have this kind of uh, terrible things are going to happen. And he said, these are the kind of people. This is what it will look like. He said, people will have a form of godliness, but deny his power, God, God's power to change them. Have nothing to do with these kind of people. He said, in verse 6, he said, they are the kind who uh, worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women. Who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. Look back at these scenarios, both the, both the women in these scenarios, both the woman one in the city and one in the field, they found themselves in critical situations. One was vulnerable and the other was a victim. And both men, likewise, in these situations, uh, in these scenarios, one was in the city, one was in the field, they walked into critical temptation. And, and one was, was a prey, the other was a predator. And it's so sad that that has to, to be that way. But that's the way sometimes it is in our culture because we're so away from God. Because we're so uh, selfish and we, we want to get to our, our, our own desires. And, and uh, we want to live out what we want to do. And our, our natural desires uh, that aren't godly tend to lead us more than anything else. And so I think that what's happening in our culture, and I see some things, I think that what's happening is what's taking out our young men is the sacrifice for pleasure. The sacrifices that are being made for simple pleasure, for momentarily pleasure, for temporary pleasure, the sacrifices of family and dignity and character and honor just for pleasure. And then what's taking place and taking place in the young women is taking some of them out as I believe the price for acceptance, the price for uh, approval, the price for value. And I see that in our culture. In fact, I also see that social media has created really two things, uh, both things at the same time. It's created a place for secret sins and it's also created a place for open desires. And I, I know that there's more teens today that are looking for likes and longing for love. We're so concerned about how many people are really following us. We've got tons of people following us on our social media, but we really don't have people we're really close with or intimate with. Amen. And it's just causing a dilemma. 
When it comes to the rise of human trafficking, most international organizations uh, give an estimate of around 25 million people globally that are involved in human trafficking. And in fact, 75% of these people are women or young girls. There's forced labor and human trafficking. And, and, and did you know that it's a $150 billion a year industry? It, it's so terrible. Nearly 70% of all the transactions that happen with human trafficking are taking place online. This is forced labor and exploitation and slavery and abuse and all these things that are happening. And it's, it's right under our nose, everybody. It's right under our nose. And I believe that there's a cry going out in our generation. Jesus said that as sin abounds, as it gets, it'll get worse. People's hearts will go cold and, and, and they'll, they'll get hard in their hearts and sin will grow. He even says that a great darkness will fill men's hearts. But I want to thank the Lord that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Amen. And I believe that God hears the cry. There's a tremendous cry going out in our generation. Amen. Between families and men and women and children. A tremendous cry coming forth. But I, I just thank the Lord today. And I just want to declare that God hears the cry. More important than me hearing it, God hears it. God hears the cry in our generation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, Paul says this, and he quotes from the Old Testament, but he says, As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, not to take God's marvelous grace for granted, allowing it to have no effect in your life. And then he quotes from Isaiah 49, For God said, In the time of my favor... I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, God says, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. God hears this cry. Amen. God will always, listen to me, God will always listen to a cry. Because God's heart is always, it's never stopped beating for people. It's always, amen, he's still seeking the lost. He's still, still searching for those who are hurting, those who need him. He hasn't stopped loving people. His heart beats for people. God's love is everlasting, and I, I know that's why he hears the cry. He hasn't stopped seeking us. He still hasn't pursuing us. You, I want to tell you something today. You are known, you are loved, and you are pursued by God Almighty. And He'll never stop doing that. I love that. I want to give you some examples of how God has heard cries. The Bible says in the time of Noah, in Genesis 6, it says that there was a cry that came up. But the sin was great. It was tremendous in the earth. It was, it was terrible. And God did something catastrophic, changing history as we know it. Uh, geological, everything changed history as we know it. In Genesis chapter 18, we see that Sodom and Gomorrah, there was a cry of sin. The sin was so great it came up before God. God did something about it. But we also see in Exodus... In Exodus, the Bible says, Exodus chapter 2, that a great cry came up to God because of the bondage that the children of Israel were in. For 400 years, they were in slavery. And finally, the Bible says that their cry came up before the Lord of their bondage. And God uh, 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 sent a deliverer. Amen. 
And you know something else in our modern era? I believe that in 1944 there was a cry that went up before the Lord of the 12 million people that were, were annihilated off the face of the earth at the hands of an evil, evil dictator. God heard their cry. And just four years later, Israel, amen, was liberated. I believe that God is still listening to the cries, amen, our culture. You know, when Jesus was on earth, Jesus knew what the Father was thinking. He knew what, what the Father, he even said that. He said, I know what the Father's saying. I know what the Father's doing. And yet, he was still, he still perceived. He still understood. He still saw, amen, the condition and the needs of his day and his culture. So I believe it's important that we hear the voice of God. That's so important. We've got to do that. But we've got to hear the cry in our generation. Jesus said in John chapter 4, he said, I've got to go through Samaria. There's a woman at the well. There's a woman there that she needs me. She needs salvation. She needs healed. She needs delivered. And Jesus heard her cry of her heart. I believe that. In Acts chapter 16, um, as Paul was on his missionary journey and he was doing the work of the Lord and good things were happening. One night he had a vision of a man from Macedonia and he was calling out and crying out. He said, please come over here and help us. It's called the Macedonian call. And the Bible says that even though he was doing God's work, he was busy for the Lord. He was so willing and so ready to go and turn and say, I've got to go to this cry in Macedonia. So I believe that it's our turn. I believe that we've got to hear the cry in our culture. You know, the tragedy of this account and these scenarios that I gave you earlier, we talked about whether it was the man and the woman in the city and in the country. The tragedy is, is that it, it really reflects our society today. It really does. The tragedy is that this account happens all the time. It happens every day. It happens, uh, and sadly enough, it happens even in the church. Young people who stray from the, their commitment with the Lord and get involved in wrong relationships and get entangled with just the things of the world and get involved in ungodliness. It just seems like they get caught up in these things. And, and, and next thing you know, it feels like that they're like this young man and this young woman. They're so desperate. They're, they're desperate. They're seeking. They're looking. They're, 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 and there's a breakdown. And they become vulnerable. Next thing you know, they become victims of something. And then there's a violation. And it's, it's awful. It's terrible. And there's a cry, I believe, that's even coming uh, from, from our generation of those that once knew the Lord and aren't walking with the Lord today. I believe that. But I believe that God wants to raise up a generation that is pure and is godly in every area so that they can really reach out to the lost people, lost souls, those who have lost their way, those who are in the field that are crying out. And somebody's going to listen to them. Somebody's going to be around to hear that cry. Why? Because I believe that this is what God wants to restore among young men and young women is that there is a glory from the Lord. The Bible says this, that there is a glory from God that He gives to young men and to young women. And it's, and it's just absolutely the devil's job and his, his assignment to destroy and, and to degrade uh, the glory that God has given young men and young women. And you'll never be able to get this anywhere else. You won't be able to get the glory that God gives you. You won't be able to gain it for yourself by any other earthly means. It's a glory that comes from God. When you, when you say, God, I'm going to go your way. 
I'm going to receive your love and I'm going to walk the way you want me to walk. I'm going to stay committed to you. I'm going to stay where you want me to be. I'm not going to wander. I'm not going to let my heart wander. I'm not going to let my mind wander. I'm not going to allow my, my actions to wander. I'm going to stay within the limits of your, lo- your love, God, where I can be touched. Amen. And so I believe that men, the glory of men, as the Bible says, is their strength. The glory of women is their beauty. But it's not measured by how we measure. It's not measured by the world. It's not measured by worldly standards. It's measured by God's holiness and God's goodness and God's grace. And I thank the Lord for that today. And I just want to declare this and just let you know this and tell you this. Because I, I need to say this right now, especially to Christians It's not that we ignore the cries. I don't think we do that on purpose. I don't think we ignore the cries. It's that we can't hear the cries from where we're standing. We're not in the place to hear them. We may be busy with our lives and busy even with ministry and on the things that we're doing so good for the Lord like like Paul was on uh, that missionary journey. But I believe that we've got to be in the right place. To be in that place where we can hear the cries in our culture and our day. You know, the Bible de- describes this, the condition of this culture. It uses a couple phrases. And I just wanted to bring this out. That the Bible says that Jesus said it. He said that this is an adulterous and sinful generation. He also said that this is a faithless and evil generation. Paul later said that in Philippians that this is a crooked and perverse generation. Well, what does that mean? That means he's talking about the natural condition and the spiritual condition at the same time. And I believe that God, once the gospel comes to somebody's life and they receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, I believe that God does a miracle. He gives us a new nature and He changes not just our spiritual condition, but He changes our natural condition. And I believe that the healing and the saving agent is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I honestly believe that. That the healing and saving agent, amen, for a crooked and perverse generation or adulterous and sinful generation is the gospel. Amen. And whether people are brokenhearted or whether they're rebellious, we need to be the church, regardless. We need to be the church. And this going to encourage you in closing that God never called you to go and hide. He called us to stand up and declare. He just didn't say go over there and hide and stay out of the way. He called you to stand and declare. He doesn't plant his kingdom on the outskirts of the garden, the outskirts of society. He puts his kingdom right in the middle of it. He didn't say it's over here, over. He said the kingdom of God is right inside. It's right in the middle. And he said, I'm putting you right in the middle, amen, of the whole thing. So God doesn't call you to stand and watch. God doesn't ask you to say, oh, just watch what's happening in your culture. He puts you right in the middle of it. And he calls you, amen, to change it. And I believe that really, honestly, there's not one need on this planet that God's people cannot overcome by the power of his spirit and the word of God. Amen. I honestly believe that. Amen. So I believe that if we're not being the church, we're really not being the church until we're responding to the cry. Hallelujah. But God is with you. God is in, 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 uh, equipping you and empowering you. And, and He's doing it in my life. So we need to do a couple things. We need to be willing. We need to be willing to say, God, I want to be willing to hear the cry. As I'm going in the store, wherever I'm at, and I, I'm keeping my social distance, I still there's still a cry. There's a cry of freedom. There's a cry for, for freedom from chains of perversion and addiction. There's this cry for fathers. 
There's a cry for purpose. There's a cry for peace right now. There's a cry in our generation, in our culture right now, for families. And families to stay together and to love one another and to, and to do things God's way. There is a, a cry going forth. We've got to be willing. We've got to be willing to hear it. Then we've got to be willing to be available for God to use us in any way, at any time. We've got to be available. And then thirdly, I believe that we need to be equipped. God's Word can equip you. God's Word and His Spirit every day is teaching us how we can hear the cry in our generation. This morning, I just want to ask you in closing, are you crying out today? Maybe you're the one that is crying out for help. Maybe you're the one that's crying out for forgiveness. Maybe you're crying out for freedom, from addiction, from uh, whatever it is, from bondage, from abuse, from, from maybe even being uh, things that are going on, being in secret, nobody knows about, and you're crying inside. There's something happening. You're crying out for help. You want help today. The Bible says that whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God hears your cry. God hears you today. He loves you. He's no respecter of person. He doesn't hear my prayer more than he hears yours. He doesn't say, oh, well, because he's a Christian and he's a pastor, I'm going to answer his first. No, he's no respecter of person. God hears your cry. He responds to that. The Bible says that he will not refuse somebody that's crying out of a broken heart. Amen. I don't know what your need is. I don't know where you are, but God wants to touch you today. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He loved you enough to come and die for your sins on a cross, and then after three days He rose again and He lives right now in heaven and He's coming back someday. If you believe that He did that for you and you received that, amen, I just want you to say, God, please forgive me of my sins. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Please come into my life. Wash me of my sins. Make me new. I want to be your child. Amen. God will do it today in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity. I thank you, Lord, for everyone who's listening. Everyone. You know them, Lord. I don't know their heart. I don't know their situation. I don't know what's going on. But today, Lord, we know that there is an epidemic. There is a tragedy that's happening right under our nose among young people and families and marriages. Men and women, Lord, we know that there's a cry that's going out, Lord. I pray that the people of God would stand up and be strong. And that we, Lord, take the word of God and the gospel. And that we would say, Lord, we want to say something. We want to be ready to hear the cry and to run and be able to, and to meet that need, Lord. You've equipped us with the word of God. Lord, I pray today that if anybody is uh, in the sound of my voice, Lord, wherever they are, however they're listening today, and they're crying out for help, Lord, that you would meet them right where they are, in the condition they are, in the place they are, the room or wherever they are. Meet them today as their loving Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.